Hi Spain fans, it's Paul here with another episode of the When in Spain podcast. While you join me out and about, I thought it had been quite a long time since I bought you a few sounds of Spain. And I know many listeners really enjoy the episodes where I get out and about and you hear background noises and all of that kind of thing. And uh, so that's what I'm going to do today. It's a kind of a bit of an improvised episode, actually. But I always like to try and uh, impart some useful information to take away with all of my episodes. So many of the episodes recently have had uh, fantastic guests uh, talking about various things, including travel. But I thought today um, we'd do an episode just with me walking around Madrid. And I'm going to be talking about, in this episode... The cost of living in Spain. Now, it's quite a big subject, and it's quite difficult to sort of generalise, because obviously the cost of living in Spain depends massively uh, on where you live. And obviously, as many of you already know, I live in Madrid, in the capital city, so prices are higher in the capital, uh, obviously, and, of course, in other big cities in Spain, which I'll be looking at. So what I'm going to do is have a little wander around the city. I'm going to be looking at uh, food, supermarkets markets. I'm also going to be uh, looking at uh, the cost of buying and renting property in Spain. We'll look at things like healthcare. And I found some really useful data, which is from 2020 and, uh, and also this year. And a little bit later, I'll run through in some detail, making a few comparisons uh, of the different costs of living in different parts of Spain. But one thing I did want to say, first of all, is a big gracias to brand new When in Spain patron, Jason Rabinovitz. Jason, thank you so much for signing up to support this podcast. I really appreciate it. And if you too enjoy this podcast, you too can become a patron by signing up at patreon.com forward slash when in Spain. So I thought, first of all, I will duck into my local cafe and get a cup of coffee. We'll see how much a cup of coffee costs. Let's head in, sit down, and I'll run through some comparisons with costs of living in Spain and other cities as well around the world. Hola, buenas. Me pones un cortado, porfa. Ya me cobras si quieres. So, I got my uh, cup of coffee. I ordered a cortado, which is a short coffee with a little splash of milk. And my coffee came to the princely sum of one euro and 40 cents. Pretty much the standard price in Madrid and pretty much around Spain. And uh, as I'm sat in here with the social distancing measures in effect. I'm just having a look up on their uh, chalkboard to see what they've got on offer for food, raciones. And uh, I think the average price of a ration here, fairly representative, I would say, of uh, typical bars around uh, the capital. Um, The average price seems to be about eight or nine euros for a ration. And a ration is quite a generous portion of food which can be shared between I don't know two or three people I suppose so we've got you know calamares for seven euros we've got prawns for seven a plate of jamón and uh, queso for seven euros a ration of chorizo for seven euros snails caracoles for six 
We've got sandwiches, bocadillos for about four euros, three euros, fifty. So it's super affordable. Some things that do surprise me in terms of food, which um, I consider a little bit pricey, I suppose, is some seafood can be expensive, even though Spain is a nation of seafood consumers. Um, but certainly things like uh, octopus, for example, I can see a, a ración of uh, pulpo a la gallega, which is a uh, uh, Galician-style uh, octopus. Um, that's 15 euros for a plate of octopus. We've also got up there um, chiperones, which are some of my favourites. They're like uh, fried baby cuttlefish, I suppose, and 11 euros for a plate of uh, chopitos uh, andaluza, which are absolutely delicious, I must say. If we're talking about beer and wine, in a bar like this where I am now, Bar Cruz, a little caña, which is about 200 mils of beer, it's going to cost you something like 130, 140, maybe 150. A larger size uh, doble, probably about 2 euros to 250. So very affordable wine, around the same price for a small glass of wine. Fairly normal local wine, I suppose, is going to cost you uh, between 180, 2 euros, something like that. But what I wanted to do is run through the kind of ranking of Spanish cities in terms of their affordability for living, their cost of living. It's a question that I've been asked quite a lot in the past uh, from listeners interested in moving to Spain, how much things cost, rent, accommodation, uh, utility bills and that kind of thing. Well, let's just have a little run through uh, the list of cities in terms of their cost of living. As of 2020, according to my research, the most expensive city city in terms of cost of living is actually Bilbao and that doesn't surprise me. I've heard that Bilbao, San Sebastian uh, up in the north of Spain uh, are expensive cities. Number two on the list, so the second most expensive city in Spain is actually Barcelona and again this does not surprise me. I mean um, I suppose many people would imagine that uh, Madrid being the capital city uh, would be more expensive. Now it seems to me that rental prices and property prices between Madrid and Barcelona are fairly similar. What does tend to be a little bit more expensive in Barcelona is your daily cost of living. The third most expensive city is of course Madrid which makes sense for a capital city, a European capital, but again I've got to say in my experience of European capital cities, Madrid has got to be up there with some of the most affordable capital cities that you could live in. Fourth most expensive is uh, Zaragoza. Number five is Palma de Mallorca. Number six on the list, um, surprisingly for me, is Granada, down in Andalusia. The seventh most expensive is Alicante. Number eight is Valencia. Now that's quite interesting that Valencia is so far down the list of expensive cities because it is Spain's third largest city. So considering its size, um, an affordable city to live in. Number nine on the list is Santa Cruz de Tenerife on the island, the Canarian island of Tenerife. Number 10 is Seville. Number 11 on the list is Malaga. And number 12 on my list is Las Palmas on the Canary Islands. Right then, so I'm going to make a little comparison. Classic sound of the neighbourhood, someone uh, <laughs> pumping on their horn outside the bar because there is some kind of truck which is stopped in the middle of the street there. Yeah, let's hope that doesn't 
continue. Let's look at a living, a cost of living comparison between London and Madrid, for example. So, according to my research, you would need around £2,863 or €3,343 in Madrid to maintain the same standard of life that you can have with four... <laughs> I knew that would happen. Descended into some uh, chaos and some of the guys in the bar have uh, walked out, stuck their heads out of the door to, to see what's going on out there. I've got to say, I feel a little bit out of place at half past 12 in the afternoon drinking a cup of coffee uh, and everyone else is already on their wine and their beer. Still a little bit early for me. Right, let's see if I can get this out. So, the cost of living comparison between London and Madrid. What I'm trying to say is that to maintain the same standard of life that you can have in London with £4,700, you would only need £2,863 to have the same standard of life in Madrid. Okay, so it would cost you £4,700 per month in London, and the equivalent standard of living in Madrid would only cost you £2,863. That is, of course, assuming that you rented simultaneously in both cities, which you probably wouldn't do. So, for example, then, consumer prices in Madrid, on average, are 27% lower than in London. And rent prices in Madrid, on average are 55% lower than in London. So immediately you see what I mean when I say, as a capital city, Madrid, by comparison, certainly to other European cities and northern European cities, is super affordable. Yes, salaries are lower, but I'm going to talk a bit about salaries a little bit later. Restaurant prices in Madrid, on average, are 28% lower than in London. Groceries in Madrid are, on average, 20% lower than in London. However, the local purchasing power in Madrid is 22% lower than in London. So it gives you an idea. Salaries are lower, definitely, in Spain and in Madrid, even though it's a capital city. So let's look, then, at the cost of living comparison between New York and Madrid. So, you would need just over $4,000 in Madrid to maintain the same standard of life that you could have in New York with $8,000. So, literally, you could have the same quality standard of life in Madrid for half of what you would pay in New York City. I guess that doesn't really come as much of a surprise to most listeners and certainly to those listeners who live in New York City. Consumer prices in Madrid are 36% lower than in New York. Rent prices in Madrid are 65% lower than in New York. Restaurant prices in Madrid are 34% lower than in New York. And groceries in Madrid are 49% lower than in New York City. However, local purchasing power in Madrid, which is of course tied to local salaries, local purchasing power in Madrid is 37% lower than in New York City. So as I make my way through the barrio, I'm just going to stop 
outside the window of an immobiliaria, which is uh, a realtor or an estate agent, and just looking in the window at uh, some of the properties available to buy or to rent. And, uh, and I'll run through a few more stats, but I'll just tell you what I'm looking at in the window. Um, there aren't many, because it's quite a small agency. Now, the ones I'm looking at are in uh, central locations in Madrid. The one that's caught my eye, which I think is uh, super cheap, but then it is pretty small. There is a, an apartment to rent in uh, Calle de Preciados, which is a very central street. And that costs 575 euros per month. However, it is only 30 square meters. It's actually a studio. It's been recently renovated. It's 20 meters from Gran Vía. I don't think I would want to live so close to Gran Vía, to be honest. But it, it gives you an idea. Super, super central 30 meter squared apartment for 575 euros per month. Another one for rent on Plaza de la Paja, which is just around the corner from here in uh, the La Latina neighborhood, on, uh, on a lovely square actually. Plaza de la Paja is a beautiful square. This is a 60 square meter apartment with two bedrooms. It's been recently renovated and that is going for 850 euros per month and it looks pretty nice in the photo i've got to say 850 euros twice as big as the other one that is 60 square meters two bedrooms so 850 pretty good i would say um i do think that rental prices have come down somewhat because of the uh, covid pandemic i've noticed a lot of airbnbs which are obviously not being used by tourists and visitors are now being put up for long-term rent at reduced prices there's another one to rent uh, in this neighborhood on Cava Alta which is a, right next to Cava Baja the kind of tapas street in the neighborhood uh, this is like a loft apartment I suppose with low ceilings one bedroom 55 square meters and that is 750 euros per month now I would say that in my experience apartments in Spain do tend to be quite small and certainly in Madrid 50 60 square meters maybe 70 or 80 but certainly for a one or two bedroom apartment but if you think about it you're paying between 575 and 750 or 850 euros per month to live right in the center of a European capital city with everything on your doorstep everything walking distance not bad. The equivalent in London or New York, I dread to think how much that would cost. <laughs> if you live in London or New York and you're listening to this, get in touch and tell us uh, what you feel about these prices and, and how much you pay for a, a similar apartment. So let's look at what's on offer for sale then, Benta. Well, the cheapest one they have in their window is 275,000 euros for a one bedroom apartment which again is in a really central location. It's on the fourth floor, it has balconies out onto the street, central heating, one bedroom, 40 square meters. So again, pretty small. Um, it's 275,000 euros. So 275,000 euros to buy a small apartment right in the very center of Madrid. The other ones that I've got here, again, these are all central locations. We've got Calle Mayor, which is quite close to Sol. You've got uh, Plata San Ginés, very close to the famous Churros y Chocolate uh, bar. 
Um, one of them costs 520,000 euros, so just a touch over half a million euros. That will buy you a four-bedroom apartment of 132 square metres. It does say a reformar which does mean it needs to be renovated. Now, it doesn't give any indication of how much renovation it needs. We've got another one, 115-metre square apartment, much more modern-looking, looks very light and airy. Two bedrooms, has been recently renovated, and that is €525,000. Again, just a touch over half a million euros to live right in the centre of Madrid with 115 square metres. So that gives you a little bit of an idea of rental prices. Well, that's something I haven't seen in a, a long time. You might have just heard there the girl speaking Spanish. Uh, she's giving actually a tour. She's a tour guide. She's talking about the history of the neighbourhood. And she's got, uh, I think, six people with her. Uh, I'm assuming they are Spanish, whether they're locals from the city or m from the region of Madrid. They must be, because no one is allowed at the moment to travel in between regions. Locals doing a bit of local tourism with a guide. At the moment, Madrid, pretty much no tourism. Apart from um, what's been happening recently is lots of people from France have controversially, especially teenagers and youngsters, students, have been pitching up in the city to take advantage of the fact that in Madrid, bars and restaurants are still open, whereas in Paris and other parts of France, I believe they're not. There's been a lot in the news in the last week about uh, people complaining about people coming from France, renting Airbnbs and making lots of noise and uh, not respecting rules in public places and getting drunk and this kind of thing. So I'm just wandering through the back streets of my neighbourhood, La Latina. It's about 1pm on a Friday. And it's pretty quiet. It's usually quiet, actually, around lunchtime because people are at home, people finish work early on a Friday. A lovely part of La Latina, near Cavabaja, there are lots of what are called posadas, posadas. I suppose going back to the 16th, 17th century, these are old coaching inns, small hotels and tavernas with big doors to allow the horses and carts to go in and stable. And there are about four or five of them uh, in this area, certainly on uh, Cavabaja Street. Uh, mostly now turned into uh, private apartments and uh, downstairs uh, bars and restaurants. But it's a nice, uh, peaceful stroll around these pedestrianised back streets. So we're the 12th of March. Spring is arriving. Temperatures are on the up here in Madrid. But at the moment we're around 17, 18, 19 degrees Celsius. So while I found a little quiet corner on Calle del Almendro, which is Almond Tree Street, <laughs> love the name of the street, and it does have an almond tree on it, which is in blossom at the moment. Very beautiful. Some of you may have seen on my Instagram profile uh, lots of photos which I've posted recently of the blossom all around Madrid. <laughs> Now, curiously, people have just walked past me and you can hear the suitcase being pulled along. That's a sound I haven't heard for a long time. The, the carry-on suitcase with wheels being towed along cobbles. They were six French 20-year-olds. So it just confirmed what I was saying. There are a lot of French youngsters 
in the city at the moment taking advantage of the fact that they are allowed to enter Spain and here in Madrid with some of the most relaxed rules in Spain and probably Europe at the moment um, are taking advantage of the fact that they can come here cheaply and uh, enjoy going out to bars and restaurants. Whether they should be or not, that's another question. Anyway, while I found this quiet corner, I wanted to talk a bit more about rental and property prices uh, more generally around Spain. So if we start with Madrid, monthly rental for a one-bedroom apartment in the city centre, the average monthly rental is €903. Euros. For a one-bedroom apartment outside of the city centre, it's €670. Euros. For an apartment in the city centre with three bedrooms you're looking at €1,600. And an apartment with three bedrooms outside the centre of Madrid, you're looking at €1,100. Another classic sound, a little Vespa moped with two people on it. Just stopped right in front of me. Um, there they go. Now oh, they're going into a garage. The automatic door is going up. To buy... Price per square meter in Madrid city centre is around 5,000 euros per square meter, and outside the city centre of Madrid, 3,000. I've just looked round, and uh, three dogs have appeared, and a lady picking up a huge dog shit off the floor, which is good. Glad she picked it up. Ah, two dogs saying hello to each other. I did say that this podcast episode was going to be improvised. So let's have a look at Barcelona. I know that is a very uh, popular destination for people thinking about coming to live and work in Spain. Apartment rental per month, city centre, one-bedroom apartment in Barcelona, around €900 per month. For a one-bed apartment outside the centre of Barcelona, €700 per month. And a three-bed apartment in the city centre of Barcelona, €1,500 per month and a three-bedroom apartment outside of the centre of Barcelona, €1,100 per month. In terms of buying, square metre price in Barcelona in the city centre is €4,700 per square metre and outside the centre of Barcelona per square metre to purchase is €3,000 per square metre. Let's have a quick look at Valencia, the third biggest city in Spain, and noticeably cheaper considering its size and prominence. A one-bedroom city centre apartment for rent is going to be €730 per month. A one-bed apartment outside the centre of Valencia is going to be €500 per month. A three-bed apartment in the city centre of Valencia, €1,100 per month, and a three-bed apartment outside the city centre, €740 per month. So noticeably cheaper in terms of rental. In terms of purchase price per square metre, a city centre uh, apartment per square metre in Valencia is going to set you back €2,600 per square metre and €1,360 per square metre for an apartment outside the centre of Valencia. Let's look at Malaga. A one-bed apartment to rent in the centre of Malaga is €660 per month. Uh, A one-bed apartment to rent outside the centre of Malaga, €500, so on a similar par with Valencia. A three-bed apartment in the city centre to rent in Malaga would be €1,100 per month. And a three-bed apartment outside the centre of uh, Malaga is going to cost €855 per month. 
for purchasing centre of Malaga, 3,000 uh, euros per square metre, and outside the centre of Malaga to buy 2,000 euros per square metre. A quick look at Alicante, because I know that's a very uh, common, again, destination for people coming to live and work and move to Spain. Again, much more affordable, depending how you look at it. Um, certainly by Spanish standards, one of the cheaper cities to live in. Uh, one bed apartment to rent in Alicante would cost you 500 euros per month outside of the center 450 euros per month a three bed in the city center around 880 euros per month and a three bed apartment outside the city center of Alicante is going to cost you around 720 euros per month um, in terms of buying in Alicante square meter in the city center 2,600 euros per square meter and outside the center of Alicante to buy 2,000 euros per square meter. Now, just uh, out of interest, I randomly chose the city of Cáceres in Extremadura because I know it to be a little lesser known, maybe off people's radar, especially in terms of coming to live and work in Spain. And I was intrigued to see what the rental and purchase prices would be in somewhere like Cáceres, which is in Extremadura, close to the Portuguese border in the uh, west of Spain, smaller, more rural. Let's look at the prices. Um, a rental, yeah, noticeably cheaper. So in Cáceres, a one-bedroom apartment in the city centre of Cáceres, which is a very beautiful city, I might add, is going to only cost you €375 Euros per month. A one-bedroom apartment outside the centre of Cáceres is only going to cost you €290 Euros per month. What a bargain. A three-bed apartment in the city centre, €600, Euros, and a three-bed apartment outside the centre of Cáceres, only 500 euros. In terms of buying, per square meter in the center of Cáceres, 1,300 euros per square meter, and outside the center of Cáceres to purchase 1,000 euros per square meter. So as you can probably hear, I've just ducked into a supermarket. This one is uh, called Dia. And I've talked about this again. Check back if you're new to the podcast or you haven't listened. I did an episode all about shopping in Spain, opening hours, all of that kind of thing. A kind of 101 guide to shopping, the shopping routine in Spain. But I've just ducked into Dia, which is one of about four or five different supermarket chains in Spain. The most well-known ones are um, Dia, uh, Mercadona, which I think is a kind of most people's favourite, good quality, reasonable price. You also have Carrefour, which is a French supermarket chain, which has a very substantial presence here in Spain. You also have uh, regional supermarkets as well. Uh, one in Madrid, which is quite big, is called Ahorra Mas. And you will see around Spain in different regions, there are regional supermarket chains as well. And another one that I should mention, I guess, as well, the supermarket chain, which is part of the El Corte Inglés department store chain, and they are called Supercore, Supercore or Hypercore, uh, and they're pretty expensive. Uh, they have kind of higher quality products, more international products. 
So I've come in here not really to do any shopping. They're probably going to throw me out thinking I look suspicious when <laughs> I'm shoplifting. I've just come in here to look at prices, really, to give you an idea of uh, the average products that you would buy from your local supermarket. Uh, later, I will uh, have a look in uh, a local indoor municipal market, uh, some of my favourite places to go. We've got some nice cheesy Spanish pop music <laughs> playing in the background. Now, I've done a lot of research into prices of kind of key products, and I've got to say, there really isn't any wild fluctuations in prices across Spain, I would say. If, for example, we look at a litre of milk, I think in Cáceres, a litre of milk is something like 60 cents, and in Madrid, it's 69 cents and in Barcelona on average a litre of milk is 72 cents. I'm in the milk section now and uh, the cheapest litre of milk that I can find is actually 57 cents. That's for skimmed leche desnatada. Skimmed milk, that's 57 cents. That seems to be the cheapest or 59 and 58. So there was one brand called Lauki which is the cheapest, so around 60 cents for a litre of milk, that's the cheapest. On the more expensive end, you've got Asturiana, which is a kind of posher brand of milk, but in my uh, experience doesn't really taste any different. Come some beautiful Asturian cows, and on the picture of the milk carton, you've got this image of these black and white cows in these uh, green pastures amid the mountains of Asturias. Anyway, I digress. That is uh, about one euro 15 cents per litre. What other products shall we look at? Well, I'm just walking past beer. It's ludicrous, really, but beer in Spain seems to be cheaper than uh, Coca-Cola. A can of Mao beer in the supermarket is 59 cents. You can get a litre of Mao beer here, one litre of Mao in a glass bottle, one euro 50 for a litre. It's one of those things that I know a lot of Northern Europeans and particularly Brits kind of go crazy about when they come to Spain and say, oh my God, it's so cheap to buy, you know, beer and wine. One thing that I do find surprisingly expensive in Spain are toiletries and also over-the-counter drugs. Things like shampoo, uh, not that I need it because I... <laughs> I haven't got much hair to uh, to wash. But things like shampoo and uh, deodorants, beauty products, I suppose you could say, like creams and things, shaving cream, that kind of thing. The other thing, over-the-counter medicines as well, paracetamol, ibuprofen, painkillers. In the UK, you can pick those up now in supermarkets for probably about 50 pence. Here, you can only buy them in pharmacies, which is important to remember you can't buy them in supermarkets you're looking at four or five euros for 20 paracetamol or 20 ibuprofen painkillers someone needs to go to the checkout didn't quite catch the name olive oil now the last episode with lucas soler um hi lucas if you're listening to this i'm looking at the olive oil on display here in dia there's a lot of it uh, the cheapest olive oil that you can buy here, uh, which Lucas would not recommend, and I'm talking about the last episode where we talk all about the best quality olive oil, if you haven't listened to it yet. Here, the cheapest you can get is basic olive oil. It's five litres for 10 euros. 
extra virgin varieties here for about 16 euros for five liters. A bottle of extra virgin, one liter for around two euros, 2.50, three euros. The cheapest they have, which is Deer's own brand, is 2.20 for a liter of their own brand extra virgin olive oil, which comes, it says, only from Spain. It's not mixed from other different countries. Own brand, incidentally, in Spain, they say white brand, Marca Blanca. Marca Blanca is a supermarket's own brand. When someone says oh, Marca Blanca, that's what they're talking about. One thing you'll notice in Spain and in Spanish supermarkets is the huge range of tinned or canned fish and seafood. Epic. One thing that I really was blown away by when I first moved here. There's so much variety. Sardines, which are nice and cheap, 60 cents. You've got mussels, you've got uh, canned octopus, only 135. And the same thing goes for, I suppose, what I would call beans and pulses. Um, Spaniards eat a lot of them. You find a huge quantity of chickpeas and lentils and butter beans and oh, oh, there's so many red beans some of them are uh, already cooked in jars some of them are in packets and still dried so in all spanish supermarkets pretty much they always have a fresh meat and a fresh fish and seafood section as well as a bakery usually um just looking at the fresh fish they've got lots of special offers on at the moment um we've got uh, cod uh, an entire cod pretty big i don't know that's probably a couple of kilos for s seven euros per kilo monkfish for 6.49 a kilo cooked prawns for seven euros a kilo you've got uh, trout at 12 euros a kilo mussels at 2.50 a kilo tuna steak for nine euros no sorry 10 euros a kilo Hola, buenas. Eh, ¿Me pones una caña, por favor? Ya me cobras si quieres. So, just uh, stopped into uh, a little bar next to the supermarket called San Bruno. Very traditional, very typical Madrid bar on Calle Toledo. And as a little price test, I bought myself a caña of Mao beer and that came to one euro fifty uh, small glass 200 mils uh, and it came with a little tapa of uh, well we've got uh, a few three slices of uh, cured sausage one looks like chorizo and one looks like morcilla which is like blood sausage a little uh, slice of crusty white bread and a little triangle of white cured cheese 150 for all of that i don't think you can complain and a little handful of white paper napkins that say on them gracias por su visita thank you for your visit very very spanish so i'm back at home now 
kind of unexpectedly, I was summoned by Karina um, because she had just done a big fruit and vegetable shop, which is kind of fortuitous, I guess, because um, I can talk about the cost of fresh produce in Spain. Karina had been to uh, a greengrocer's up in the north of the city uh, in a neighborhood where her parents live called Ciudad Lineal. And we quite often go to some of the fruit and vegetable stores up there, the uh, fruterias, because they're super, super good value compared to some of the uh, fruit and vegetable shops in the centre. And again, of course, when you get out of the centre and you go into the the more everyday neighbourhoods, you pick up some real bargains. And there is one fruit and vegetable shop uh, up in Ciudad Lineal, um, which we usually go to to do kind of like a weekly uh, fruit and vegetable shop. And I've got three green plastic bags right here in front of me. I thought Karina was going to make an appearance, but she's now dashed off to a yoga class and so left me to carry these heavy bags up three flights of stairs. But she did tell me how much she paid. So first of all, I'm going to run through what we've got here. We have got uh, probably about half a kilo of carrots. We have got uh, six or seven bananas. We have got a kilo of tomatoes. Uh, a kilo of lemons. This would be a good uh, little vocabulary practice, wouldn't it? We've got uh, two red onions. We've got a big bag of about six huge cloves, no, sorry, huge bulbs of garlic. Should keep us going. We've got three white onions. That's one bag. We've got... Four cucumbers, we've got about half a kilo, I suppose, of mushrooms, white button mushrooms. We've got two big red peppers. We've got, I don't know, probably a kilo of avocados, aguacates. Uh, So there's probably about one, two, three, four, five, six, six of those. We've got uh, two big broccoli heads. I don't know what you call those. We've got about another... I don't know, probably a kilo or maybe even two kilos of uh, potatoes. Huge bag of oranges. Uh, let's have a look. I don't know. Two kilos of oranges, probably. Yeah, about two kilos of oranges. Not the most beautiful looking oranges, but perfect for peeling and perfect for making orange juice. A huge head of cauliflower. Cauliflower. Um, what's that? A mango. And we've got some zucchini or eggplant or, I don't know, courgette? I'm not sure. Anyway, but all of that. Karina told me, and I've got the receipt here, she said she's, all of this came to the grand total of 20 euros. Um, in fact, here's the, here's the receipt actually came to 19 euros and 82 cents and they also threw in a bunch of perejil which is parsley which they quite often do in these little neighborhood fruit and vegetable shops they give you something free sometimes they give you a bag of nuts sometimes they give you a little bunch of parsley um they give you quite often if you're a loyal customer and karina always goes to this fruit and veg shop buys load so 20 euros for a substantial amount of fresh fruit and vegetable of 
good quality. I've just got it all now laid out on the table, which I'm going to have to put away. So it gives you an idea. Um, so supermarket prices for fruit and vegetables are pretty pretty good, but you can get some real bargains when you shop around in the neighbourhood fruterias. Okay, so fruit and vegetables put away and back out on the street again. It is now about 4pm and I'm just walking uh, through the Tierso de Molina Square which is pretty well known, I guess, for its uh, flower market which is here every day. Uh, numerous stalls selling flowers and plants and that is one thing that I've noticed in Spain that are really expensive compared to uh, back in the UK are flowers. I don't know why. We've got some lovely uh, yellow daffodils um, but you know for example a bunch of about 10, 8 or 10 tulips which incidentally are called tulipan, tulipanes um, are 10 euros and yeah the terrazas are busy and bustling people sitting out in the sunshine just walking past the uh, fountain of the square Anyway, I'm heading up towards the centre, out of La Latina neighbourhood, hoping to get inside a municipal market and have a look at the produce in there. Along the way, I'm going to be talking about uh, other cost of living related things such as utility bills, healthcare and salaries. So you now join me on Calle Preciados, one of the uh, main shopping streets in the centre, just off of the Sol Square. So we've talked a lot about expenditure, but what about earnings? Now, uh, as I mentioned earlier, the salaries in Spain are a lot lower than you might expect in the United States or in the UK. I think that is a given, really. Um, but the average Spaniard, and this is according to last year's statistics, so the average Spaniard takes home around 1,340 euros per month net. Not a huge amount for an average monthly salary. That compared to the average monthly net salary or income in the UK, for example, which is €1,808 per month. So the national minimum wage in Spain, uh, as is currently set, uh, at €1,108 per month gross. Compare that with the UK, where the minimum wage is €1,599 per month gross. So if we focus in on Madrid, for example, the average uh, monthly net salary, so after tax, in the Spanish capital stands at €1,611. In Barcelona, slightly lower, the uh, average monthly net salary in Barcelona is €1,456. In Valencia, that drops down to an average monthly net salary of €1,408. Down in Malaga, in the Costa del Sol, quite a noticeable drop. The average monthly net salary in Malaga is €1,277. Which is why, then, uh, it surprises me that you always see a lot of people 
in the next place I'm going to visit, which is actually the department store I mentioned earlier, El Corte Inglés. No Spanish city would be complete without one. In Madrid, there are about six uh, El Corte Inglés department stores, or maybe more. The um, flagship branch is on the uh, Castellana big wide boulevard. Uh, I am standing just outside the one which is uh, on Calle Preciados near uh, Sol. Pretty expensive. I've got to say it's a place where people go to uh, take advantage of the uh, the sales. There are always people milling around in there and if you do price comparisons with El Corte Inglés compared to other uh, smaller shops uh, noticeably more expensive. El Corte Inglés, the English Cut, uh, curiously named. Why is it called the English Cut? So it was actually originally a tailor's shop, founded back in 1890. And the English Cut, the cut they are talking about, is the cut of a suit. And around that time, there was a particular style or cut of suit, which uh, must have been in fashion, I guess. And so that's where it took its name from. By the mid-1930s and into the 1940s, the business model was transformed into uh, basically the format of a department store and then underwent successive expansions over the decades. And then during the 1960s, expanded all over Spain. So there's a little background to El Corte Inglés department store. If any listeners have been to Spain, I am sure you must have seen one. Uh, I suppose recognisable by its huge monolithic uh, buildings in uh, most city centres and recognisable by its squiggly green uh, signs. Let's have a look inside. I spent a little bit of time in here around Christmas looking for a few presents, um, but I have to admit, in the end, I don't think I bought anything. So the one in Sol is, I think, how many floors? I'm just looking at the floor guide as you walk in. It's seven stories with everything you could ever imagine. It's the kind of go-to place. If you can't find something, go to El Corte Inglés. You'll probably be able to find it. So on the top floor here, you've got a restaurant and uh, then you've got sports department, men and women's fashion, hairdressers, children's clothes, lingerie, uh, ex accessories, bags, shoes, jewellery, a perfumery. And in the basement, you've got a supermarket, which is uh, the one I mentioned earlier, the Supercor or Hypercor branch. And uh, you've got a pharmacy, you've got a tobacconist, you've got uh, uh, magazines, and you've got a Starbucks downstairs as well, actually. <laughs> so I've just walked in and I'm walking through the jewellery department, handbags. Uh, it's actually, yeah, it's quite busy. There are a few people on a Friday afternoon milling around. Um, I always find it's a place I come if I need to kill a bit of time in the centre. Um, if it's too hot or cold outside, I just wander around in here. The problem is with El Corte Inglés is that you can't really look at anything for more than about one minute before the sales assistant jumps on you and starts asking, oh, can I help you? Can I help? Can I help? Just so it's walking past some discounted box sets of aftershaves and perfumes, I think were from Christmas. But I was reading actually in the newspaper, I think only a couple of days ago, that uh, El Corte Inglés is struggling a bit at the moment in the wake of uh, COVID-19. There's a girl having her hair dried, having some kind of makeover at a perfume counter. 
This is quite random, isn't it? Taking you inside a Corte Inglés department store. But they're struggling a bit. And I've always been amazed, actually, how uh, El Corte Inglés has managed to sort of keep surviving as well as it has done so far with changing shopping habits. Uh, I know in the UK, one major department store chain has gone for good. Others are kind of on the brink. And it uh, looks like El Corte Inglés has got to uh, think about how it's going to adapt for the future uh, in terms of, I suppose, internet shopping and offering something, uh, something different. And what strikes me as I walk around here is, um, yes, there are customers, but the shop assistants, the dependientes or dependientas, way outnumber the customers. Now, obviously, this is a Friday afternoon. This is not really the time when most people go shopping. Just hopping on the uh, rickety escalator. Let's see what's up on the next door. Um, but, um, yeah, there's a lot of staff and not many customers. How they can sustain these huge premises. Every El Corte Inglés I've ever been to, even in smaller cities or even towns, all have one and they're huge. There are always at least six or seven floors. It seemed to be overstaffed. So here we've got gloves and this is something I suppose you wouldn't normally see in any other department store around the world. It's a display of abanicos, fans, hand fans. You know, the fans uh, ornately decorated that unfold, unfurl. 54 euros. For one of them, 45 euros, 45 euros, yeah. I've seen them way more expensive than that, though, um, in some uh, specialist fan shops. I think I talked about that in uh, the episode about super Spanish products, about the history of the uh, Spanish hand fan. Okay, that's enough El Corte Inglés. I made it up to the second floor. Uh, I'm going to hit back down now. <laughs> I'm not looking to buy anything. I remember one of my Spanish friends saying that... Uh, down south in Andalusia that I don't know if this is for everyone but some people refer to El Corte Inglés as El Museo the museum so basically because it's a place people walk around to look at what's on offer but they don't buy anything because it's too expensive <laughs> they call it the museum lots of expensive watches Mont Blanc Tagger Hugo Boss, Tissot, Long Eyes. Oh, I'm in that situation now where I've walked into a corner and I can't see an exit. Security guards chatting with the staff. No one seems to be doing very much. Not very busy. Each counter seems to have about three members of staff or more. And they're just sort of leaning on the counter, chatting with each other. Okay, we're out of El Corte Inglés. So just walked up the street and now in Callao, Callao Square. Not one of my most favorite places of the city, next to Gran Vía. Kind of a, kind of a typical meeting place for people. Um, and next to the Cines Callao, the cinema. In terms of cinema entries, I haven't been for a long time. I don't go to the cinema very often. I haven't researched this. I don't think it's any more expensive necessarily, uh, depending where you are in Spain or compared to other countries, I'm not sure. I think I remember paying something around eight or nine, possibly 10 euros to go and see a recent release. 
Um, but what they do tend to do a couple of times a year is they have this uh, cinema festival where they release tickets for four or five euros, or I think even less, like three euros fifty uh, during the course of, I think, a couple of weeks. And you have to buy them on, in advance online. It's quite a useful thing to know about. Um, so just looking at Fines Cayal now, there's a big red carpet laid out, some uh, barricades and... Lots of people hanging around, people dressed in smart suits. I wonder what's going on. I wonder if anyone famous is going to arrive. I wonder if there's some kind of... Well, I don't think it'll be an award ceremony. And given the situation with COVID, I can't imagine there's anything major going on. But a lot of people around on a red carpet laid out going up uh, the steps of the cinema. Curious. But what I wanted to uh, show you through sound. <laughs> it's one of my favourite places in this part of the city, particularly if I want a bit of peace and quiet and I want to get away from barking dogs and noise and hustle and bustle, is uh, a bookshop called La Central, which is a bookshop and cafe on, I think, four floors. And it's a wonderful bookshop. And the only reason I'm kind of taking us in here is because it's one of those things I've noticed in Spain that here, books tend to be pretty expensive compared to, again, my comparison with the UK. And so I'm going to go in and have a look. But, you know, a typical paperback here I've seen, you know, can cost up to 12, 13, 14, 15 euros. And when you walk in the door, you've got a children's department on the right. You've got a lovely cafe, which has got all kind of dried bunches of corn and poppies and flowers hanging from this uh, atrium, this ceiling, which is covered in uh, letters and then little windows uh, from each floor looking out onto this atrium and then down to the cafe. I imagine at one stage it would have been a courtyard, an open courtyard from a very old uh, apartment building. It's got these lovely creaky wooden steps. Even with my mask on I can smell that lovely magical mixture of the smell of coffee and printed paper. Lovely iron balustrades and smooth banisters. Okay, so I'm going to have a look in the uh, department that they call Narrativa, which is uh, fiction. Let's have a look. Um, as luck would have it, <laughs> I've walked into the translated fiction section and it is actually narrativa anglo-sajona traducida which means translated anglo-saxon fiction <laughs> let's have a look oscar wilde a penguin classic edition his complete stories how much is it oh okay nine euros much uh, much better value than i was uh, expecting actually i just remember thinking in the past that uh, paperback books in Spain were uh, pretty, pretty expensive, but uh, maybe I was mistaken. So, nine euros for a paperback, ping, uh, a Penguin Classic paperback. Uh, what else have we got here? Uh, more British literature in translation. Um, we've got some George Orwell. George Orwell's 1984 paperback. Uh, for 10 euros as well. So actually, not bad at all. Not as much as I was expecting. Let's head up to the next floor. Um, the lovely thing about this building, on the top floor, 
Um, it's a little reading room which has this beautiful cupola domed ceiling which is ornately painted. It looks like a little chapel. So we're heading up to the second floor. We've got Ciencia, Ciencias Sociales, Clásicos, Crítica, Literaria, Filosofía, Historia, Música, uh, all sorts of subjects. History, classics, philosophy. Let's see if I can find the little reading room. It's a really lovely bookshop. If you're ever in Madrid, it's a nice place to browse. Okay, so I found the little reading room. Now the ceiling is painted. It's got this dome with arches painted in a white and pale blue and gold, really ornate, like cornices. And on the ceiling, it's got, uh, well, I think they must be gods, maybe Greek gods, with little cherubs sat beside them. Which gods they are? I couldn't tell you. I think they're gods or religious figures, but I'm not sure. Um, but it's curious because you're in this bookshop and it looks like um, a little chapel, a beautiful black and white marble inlaid floor with a kind of star and uh, diamond pattern. And then we've got book racks. Um, and these book racks are all illustration books, ilustración. So just walking down Gran Vía, past the uh, theatres, cinemas. Um, I'm not sure what the situation is at the moment, but they seem to be open with all their light bulbs flashing outside. Just stood outside the Teatro Rialto, which is advertising a, a show called La Función Que Sale Mal. It looks like the box office is open. Some guys erecting a ladder, which look like they're going to get up and maybe change the display. I'm not quite sure. Well, to the right, a uh, little newspaper and magazine kiosk. Huge range of magazines on sale here, um, which again is something that surprises me. How much are these magazines? About five euros fifty. National Geographic, you've got interior design, classic cars, you've got Hello Magazine, which of course originated from Spain and it's called Hola, <laughs> what else? Newspapers, how much is a copy of El País or um, El Mundo today? It is. Yeah, how much it is? 180. 180. 1 euro 80 for a copy of El País newspaper. So I'm going to go and get some money out from an ATM machine for Caixa Bank, La Caixa. Never seem to be able to find one when you want one. Here in Spain, they charge you a commission, an extra fee, if you use a, an ATM machine from a different bank, which is something that doesn't happen in the UK. You can use your card in any ATM, ATM machine, and it charges you the same as if it were your own bank. Just going to get run over, uh, cutting it fine with the traffic lights, which I talk about in great detail in one of my early episodes of the podcast all about opening a bank account in Spain and the different types of accounts, the differences between the banks. If you're still listening to this episode and you're new to the Wedding Spain podcast and it's something that you need to do at some point in the future, uh, I put together a, an audio guide, I suppose you could call it, all about opening uh, a bank account in Spain, which uh, depends on your luck, really, how easy it is. And, of course... There is a queue at the machine. 
see if you can guess where I am. Oh, it's quite busy. Yep, we are in a municipal indoor market. We are in the Mostenses Market, just north of Gran Via. This is about as everyday as you can get right in the centre of Madrid. This market is only uh, in a 100 metres from Gran Via, and this place is full of old school bars and stalls selling all the fresh produce you can imagine, keys being cut, children running around screaming, a lot of people drinking beers, sitting outside these little stalls. Wow. All of life is here in the uh, Mostenses market. Some listeners may remember, again, uh, I don't know, about a year ago, I came here with uh, Margit Sperling to talk about Hamon, and we went to a Hamon vendor here in this market uh, upstairs. So I'm just walking past embutidos, all types of sausages. We get a rack of ribs for 6.69 a kilo. Looks good. It's lots of uh, noise and commotion of uh, lots of butchers in this part of the market. You can hear them chopping. A lot of chopping going on. They've got a special offer on, uh, on ribs for 2.89 a kilo here. And uh, the great thing about this market is very multicultural as well. You've got uh, a Peruvian bar here. We've got what, three uh, Peruvian guys. Chinese stores. Wow. We've got pig's trotters. Pig's trotters, 1.99 a kilo. Awful. Oh, we've got... Uh, Cow's tongues, cow's tongues at 6.40 a kilo. You know, uh, a woman uh, haggling, it looks like, for the price of, I don't know what that is. And what else have we got? Um, oh, that's pretty gruesome. We've got heads of lechal. They're pretty gruesome. They've still got their eyeballs in. Chicken, meat, bars, the snipping sound of fish. This is obviously like rush hour in the market here. A lot busier than my local market, La Cervada in La Latina. Oh my God, uh, it's quite overwhelming. Lots of fish being cut here. There are queues of people, lots of people standing around waiting to be served. It's a real assault on the senses. It's absolutely fantastic. So fresh fish. What have we got? Some of the, a lot of the fish hasn't got any names on it, and I'm not really a fish expert by just looking at the fish. Let's go and have a look at another stall. Got sea bream for 4.99 a kilo. Wow, lots of names of fish in Spanish that I've not heard of before. Boxes of crabs. How much are the crabs? 5.90 a kilo. This is an immersive experience, I hope for you guys anyway. Very old school, very retro inside, you know, the, the, the interior, sort of all of the signs and the, the, the floor tiles and everything. Looks like uh, something from the 1960s. Two dozen eggs for three euros sixty. Two dozen eggs for three euros sixty at that store. Uh, the next one I'm walking past, we've got 30, 30 eggs, size large for 350. 
fantastic place this is. I'm gonna head upstairs if I can. See what's going on up here. If I remember rightly, this is where the Hamon guy was. Uh, another Peruvian, uh, another Peruvian little bar cafe, kind of quite improvised with eight tables and the guy next to a little stall next to the cafe. And the guy chopping meat on a big wooden board. Cheese, fruit and veg. A bit quieter up here. A lot of Latin uh, American uh, produce here. We've got the plantain, the green bananas, um, called machos or verde, which are used to make lots of different uh, Ecuadorian and Peruvian dishes, Colombian dishes. Macho verde, it's like a green banana. Same family as a banana, it's more savory. Uh, 95 cents a kilo. Yucca, chilies. Mm, it smells quite spicy. Got a Cuban restaurant. Well, not restaurant, little kind of snack bar, I suppose you'd call it. Tamales, Peruvian food. We've got a <laughs> an amazing stall, which I, there are so many products crammed into it uh, behind these sort glass windows. There's a little hole with a guy behind it. Looks like a sort of fairground stall, absolutely packed with. Productos Latinos, um, Latin American products here. We've got drinks, sweets, spicy sauces, beers, rice, uh, various types of uh, pulses and beans dried in bags, tortillas. It says, hay harina de maca. I don't know what maca is. It's uh, some kind of flour. Maca flour. <laughs> that is. The last time I came here uh, with uh, Margit to talk about jamon, it was much quieter because we came just before lunchtime and they were just closing. Quarter to six in the evening. Very busy. I can't find the jamon. Where's the jamon guy? Uh, Chinese food. Turkey soup. So much chicken, it's unbelievable. Ah, I think the jamon guy is just around this corner. My advice is, if you're ever in Madrid, to come to this market. Here's the jamón guy, eh, jamonería, yeah. Uh, hermanos Benito. As I talk to you, the guy is slicing some jamón ibérico. Jamón ibérico, 26 euros a kilo, of course. Jamón ibérico is the good stuff, pretty expensive. You've got 35 euros a kilo uh, for another type, the pata negra. This is the good stuff. There is jamón ibérico bellota, acorn-fed, that's 70 euros a kilo. If you want to know all about jamón, the different varieties, how you should eat it, where you should buy it, well, here, if you're in Madrid, uh, check back to the episode I did with Margaret Sperling, who's a, a food tour guide. Feast your senses on the world of Spanish jamón. We go into a lot of detail about it. You've got children walking through in their school uniforms, <laughs> their little checked dresses. And now I don't know how to get out. Casa Peru. So Casa Peru has a menu del dia for nine euros, which includes first and second course and a dessert. We've got ceviche, like a turkey or chicken soup. 
rice with beef, chicharron de cerdo, chicharron, uh, the pig fat, and something called picarones, which I don't know what they are. I think Karina might know. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so let's run through healthcare. Now, this is pretty meaty subject. It depends on every individual and your own circumstances, as they say in Spanish. Cada persona es un mundo. Each person is a world. If you work in Spain and you pay into the Spanish social security uh, system, then you are covered by the uh, Spanish National Health Service. That's important to mention. If that does not apply to you, and you have to take out private health insurance, how much should you be paying? Well, again, of course, it depends on your situation, but I'll give you some rough guidance. And I, my personal advice is this is something that you should research thoroughly and that you should shop around and you should get as many different quotes as possible. But to give you some kind of idea, private health insurance in Spain usually costs somewhere between 50 and 200 euros per month, depending on your age, depending on any existing health conditions that you might have. Some of the largest companies in Spain offering healthcare plans are Adeslas, Sanitas, Mapfre and Asisa. Okay, so when you decide to choose the company, the most important factor is to know the amount of specialists that you have available in your specific area. Some private healthcare plans include dental work, but only usually the basics like checkups and uh, cleaning. And the amount you pay depends on the health insurance coverage that you choose, your age, and obviously your current state of health. Payments can usually be made quarterly or annually, and there is also the option to take out a part-time coverage if you're not going to live in Spain full-time. So to give you a more specific idea, uh, with Sanitas, which is a subsidiary of Bupa International, um, one of Spain's larger private health insurers, the costs run from between 79 euros uh, a month, which is about $97, up to around 120 euros a month, which is around $148 a month. And that's for a person in the early 60s. The low-end plan has a co-pay option, and the patient pays part of the cost of hospitalization and surgery and those kinds of things and the higher end plan includes dental uh, plus no copay for the first six procedures the other expenses that I wanted to run through as well are utilities utility bills now if you're renting usually these costs are included or certain costs are included in your rental agreement for example uh, Karina and uh, and myself in our apartment our water is included in the cost of the rent and so also is the municipal fee in the UK we call it a council tax it's a, it's a fee that is paid to the local government to cover costs such as as, uh, rubbish collection and that kind of thing. Our electricity bills for us in a small apartment for two people comes in at around 40 euros a month most of the year. In the winter, when we're running heating in the apartment, that can uh, double up to 80 or 100 euros for those two, maybe three months where the weather is colder. But to give you an idea, the average monthly electricity bill in Spain is between 60 and 100 euros. Obviously, it depends on what you're running. If you have air conditioning units, uh, Karina and I have one air conditioning unit and our apartment is uh, heated by electric heating. The average monthly water bill in Spain is between 40 and 60 euros. 
Mains gas, I can't tell you, but of course uh, many apartments are run on butane gas bottles, the bombonas, those orange gas bottles, and they cost around 14 euros for a butane bottle. I couldn't tell you exactly how long one of those lasts, but probably a month or two for an average household. Phone and internet, again it depends a lot depending on the services you want to contract. Many providers give special offers and sign-up deals, but they're typically between 30 and 55 euros per month for a landline rental and between 50 and 300 megabytes of broadband data. Uh, For example, me and Karina pay, I think, around 70 or 80 euros a month. can't remember off the top of my head. That includes uh, super fast broadband, unlimited. That also includes includes a landline to the apartment, which we don't use because we don't actually have a landline phone connected to it. And it also includes my mobile phone rental, um, which is a contract, which includes unlimited data, unlimited phone calls, uh, roaming included in various European countries and the United States as well. That's with Vodafone and that's all for uh, um, 80 euros a month. And it also includes some TV channel subscriptions as well uh, through the smart TV. Uh, Cost of running a car. This is something I had to look up because I've never owned a car in Spain. Karina and I have always rented or borrowed a car from the family uh, or used car sharing schemes in Madrid. Um, Road tax, relatively cheap. It's around 50 euros per year for a small car and around 100 euros per year for a large car. Petrol is around 1 euro and 12 cents per litre for unleaded and diesel is about 1 euro and 3 cents per litre. For your MOT, or here it's called ITV, this is your annual car checkup, uh, that's around 35 euros per year. And if you need to get your car serviced, that costs anything from 175 euros for a full service on your car. I will put all of the detailed information from my research in the show notes for this episode, which you can find at whenInSpainPodcast.com. WhenInSpainPodcast.com. That's where I put all of the more detailed show notes of uh, all of the episodes of When in Spain. Just before I go, don't forget if you enjoy the When in Spain podcast to think about signing up to become a patron at patreon.com forward slash when in Spain. Go and give us a follow on Instagram. The handle is at when in Spain one. We're also on Facebook and Twitter. And uh, well, if you have any doubts, just Google When in Spain podcast and it will rank as uh, right at the top and you can find all of the when in spain associated social media and all of that kind of thing until the next episode when i will have a fantastic guest for you i shall did you hasta luego from madrid <laughs>